Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, this is the, the class Dahlias. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about everything from tuber to bloom. Um, we lost a few, but this is a little more in depth. This is the, the next step, I guess you would say, um, to what I would suggest you start growing because dahlias are the next big thing that florists want. Um, they will take any dahlia that you have. The problem with dahlias is they have a short vase life, so they really are more of an event flower. Um, you can put them in retail bouquets, but you have to be careful with what you choose, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, so I've had some really good good years with dahlias this last year. Um, they talked to me <laughs> about doing this class and I was going to take all these pictures and everything. And then we had a huge drought in Oklahoma. I'm sure everybody did actually. My dahlias did terrible. So um, I had to really dig in the, dig in the archives. But um, So I'm going to talk to you a little, a few things that I learned from that and some advice if you are in the, more in the south or in a hot area. Um, so we'll talk about the customer, the, your varieties and sourcing, growing, harvesting, selling, and then of course the digging, dividing, and storing. And I have a, a little bit of a different in, input on that. Um, I don't actually dig my dahlias and divide. Okay, so um, for your customer, wholesale, they want white, like so much white. It's, it's very sad. Because um, white, the bugs also really love the white dahlias. <laughs> but um, that's what they want. Weddings, big weddings. I mean, there are so many weddings that all they have is white. And it's like, why? But um, another one is blush and peach, just those really muted tones. Um, they want all shapes. Dahlias come in all different shapes. We aren't going to get too much into this. Um, there's the big dinner plate dahlias, um, the cafe au lait is really popular, not as much, it's, it's fading in popularity in my area at least, thankfully, but, um, yeah, so, but then if you, if you are wanting to add them to your market bouquets, which is definitely doable, um, using the more ball type varieties, which we can talk about different the names of all of them there's thousands of different dahlias um, but they like a little more colorful they do actually still like these muted tones more with the dahlias um, so yeah there's different different forms I'll go ahead and tell you a couple of my favorite favorite varieties for florists uh oh okay um, so for white my favorite is blizzard it's called blizzard it's like the only white to grow in my opinion it makes really great tubers it you can cut the blooms a little bit early they'll still open up which is not true for a lot of dahlias um, it has a bit more of an ivory tone which they really like um, and blizzard? it's called blizzard yep all dahlias have a name which is really interesting that other dahlia in this picture that's not white is called caramel corn which is another one of my favorites it does well in the south. That's the other thing about blizzard. There's other good whites. I'm not saying that by any means, but they don't all do well in the heat that we have here. Um, but blizzard, man, even this summer, it was like the only bloom, I, only dahlia I had blooming <laughs> for a while. So 
Um, yeah, and caramel corn's the same way. It gets huge, it cranks out tons of blooms, the bugs don't really care about it for some reason. Um, it's really interesting once you start growing dahlias and like you can kind of pick out the different ones um, that do well in your area. So, and it's really a lot of trial and error. Like some of them I've grown and I just throw the tubers away. It's not even worth it. Um, let's see some of the other my favorites the, uh in this picture this is peaches and cream which is the big one that everybody wants um there's a bit of a disclaimer for that one it does it's beautiful it it's my favorite but it has like a really good flush and then it stops blooming like all, practically all summer and then in the fall it'll have another flush which is not ideal for um, turning a profit necessarily but it's everyone's favorite I'll continue to grow it um, and it's a shorter plant so you have to really cut deep which we'll talk about that as well um, I was trying to see if there's I have like a whole list of all my favorites but um, we can talk about that if we have time at the end <laughs> yeah save your questions for the end um, places to source them um, my favorite place to get dahlias is actually called Swan Island Dahlias, and they still have good varieties left. There's a dahlia craze happening in America right now. Like, they're making a huge comeback. They used to be super, like, an old-school flower. Nobody wanted them. Um, and so it is very challenging to get the varieties you want. It's wild, especially if you don't want to buy them on Sabbath it's like a whole nother thing because a lot of their sales are on Saturdays and if you're not there at 10 a.m. when they open their website they're gone within like five minutes so yeah it's wild um, so the small farms if you want if that's how you want to go which I encourage you to do that you just have to really follow them on their social media be ready and choose like one tuber that you want from their farm and or else your cart will be empty when you go to check out <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but swan island is a big pr producer up in the pacific northwest um they have great tubers you can get them early shipped to you early so you can take cuttings and multiply your stock which we'll talk about doing that um, I have gotten a lot of mine like that. The other small farm that I get from is called Arrowhead Farms. They're in Colorado. They've already had their sale for this year, but they will ship to me early. Um, and so I can take cuttings from some of the more like rare varieties. But then you can also get them wholesale. If you're truly interested in growing these for like a profit, um, you either need to take cuttings to multiply your stock to get more to more plants quickly um, or try wholesale you do risk virus but we're finding that even in small farms there's virus present everywhere in your dahlias um, it's just part part of growing them but you can get wholesale tuber you, they come in a small clump and they're generally about 250 a clump so like blizzard is I can get wholesale you have to get 25 usually it's usually about 250 a clump if I were to get blizzard from Arrowhead or wherever it's about eight dollars a tuber so it's it's significantly different and it's getting worse like it's it's crazy that 
just from when I started, the amount that tubers have gone up is just, it's wild. Do you have a wholesale source? Um, oh, yes. So the wholesale source is um, Ball Color Link is where I get all my wholesale ones. Ball, B-A-L-L, Color Link. It's, that's the main um, wholesaler for flower supplies now. Um, hopefully this is not messing up their recording. <laughs> so tubers, we're going to start talking about tubers. These are all what a tu this is what a tuber looks like, kind of like a potato. Um, you actually can eat them; they're edible. But um, they come in all different sizes, different varieties. Will have different sizes. Um, these are divided tubers. So if you order a tuber from a farm, this is what you're going to get. Um, the plant comes from the crown, which at least I don't think I could. It's like this end here, uh -huh. and then there's the neck and the tuber. You need to have all parts to produce a plant. Um, there's a really great resource on Summer Dreams Farm, which you can actually buy dahlias from them as well. Sometimes he will do some bulk sales, but they're still fairly expensive. They have great tubers as well. They're a smaller farm. But he has a whole blog post on dividing dahlia tubers. Um, I decided not to get too much into dividing them because that's a very, like, it, I feel like it's just you need to do it and get hands-on. And I was going to take some pictures this year, but I didn't get to do that. So, um, but he has, like, step by step by step. And we'll talk, we will talk about some of the points, but just jot that down. You can look on his blog if you're, if you're ready to divide your own. Okay, so planting them. Um, you need well-drained soil and full sun. Full sun, I'm going to give a disclaimer with that. If you're in the south, I am finding that you do not want full sun. <laughs> you do, but you really need some like a sh shade structure or something in, in the heat of the summer. If, if it gets over, um, I read an article, if it gets over like 92 degrees, they basically shut down and... It's hard to get them going back again. So um, a lot of people, larger growers in the south, will build shade structures over their, over their dahlia rows, um, which is basically like building a tunnel and putting shade cloth on it instead of plastic. Um, the biggest thing is these plants get huge, so you really do. It does have to be some like, like a caterpillar tunnel, and you still need good airflow. And so dahlias are just a real diva in the south, especially. Um, this is kind of, I put up here, just like the textbook of how people tell you to plant dahlias. Um, Florette is the number one that has the how to do it but she puts a layer of compost and a lot of people will do that put a layer of compost on your bed dig a hole four to six inches deep once the soil is warm put your tuber in with with the eyes facing up and let it grow don't water it until you see growth because you can rot your tubers um yes yes so that's kind of like how you're supposed to do it. She also says, I believe 12 inches apart is how she does, how far apart she does hers. Um, 
and really all of them. There are so many. If you Google how to plant dahlias or how to grow dahlias, there are so many resources nowadays. Um, so I, I just kind of decided that I'm going to kind of tell you what I do. It's a little bit different, but it's what I found that works. When I plant, my first year I planted in fabric, wheat for weed control. It worked actually really well. It was a pain to plant into. Um, and then I put like straw over it to keep it cooler. Um, but, and I did the 12 inch spacing and stuff. It was too far apart. They, there was a lot of empty space, which I don't like. Um, it's just wasted. So now what I do is I dig a trench and I'll go through and lay my dahlias about, I do do them about nine inches apart. And I should say I did this. I haven't dug my, dug my dahlias the last few years because we can overwinter them. Um, but dig a long trench, just lay your dahlias about however far apart you want to put them. As long as you have good airflow, you can pack them in there. They don't get near as big here as they do in the Pacific Northwest as what well, as either. So um, again, it's your growing zone. It's really a lot of trial and error. Um, but I'll lay the dahlias and then we'll cover cover them. I put a row of drip tape for each trench, basically each row, and I do two rows per bed. And it's my, my dahlia beds are probably closer to 30 inches. They're a little more narrow because um, I do them about, a, the, about the rows about a foot apart in the bed for a little bit more space. Um, I was going to say something. So again, your spacing is kind of going to be dependent. I don't do them six inches. That's the only thing I don't do six inches apart. But um, another way for weed control is just mulching them or just keep staying ahead of the weeds, I guess. But um, another note I was going to say that I do a little bit differently, I do not add compost. My first year I was like, everyone says you got to have compost for everything. you got to put compost on every bed that you start. Um, that gets really expensive if you've ever purchased compost. So... I do a lot of cover cropping, which I wish we had time to talk a little bit more about that, but um, we do a lot of cover cropping, and I till that in, and my soil has, has just gotten so much better just by doing that, adding organic matter that way instead of compost. Um, and I'll do different fertilizers. Dahlias, a good one is bone meal. Um, I also fertilize my dahlias a little bit differently too. So we'll, I've, I've done a lot of research on this just because they don't do well for us. So um, I have read a lot of things. If, if that's not clear, I'm a real kind of a nerd about stuff like this. Um, science is my thing. I went to vet school, so I like to read. Um, so you can get tubers, you can plant tubers. My favorite thing to do is take cuttings. Um, it's a lot easier than it, you think. I have had really good luck with it, actually. Um, it's a good way to multiply your stock. They're much easier to plant than a tuber. They're already growing, so you don't have to be like, oh, should I water these? Should I not water them? Because that's the biggest thing about getting dahlia started is you don't want your tubers to rot. So if you're in a really wet area in the spring, 
it can be hard to get your tubers in the ground because it just keeps raining and you don't want your tubers to rot. So cuttings are the way to go, I, I tell you. Um, so I'll, I'll order my tubers early or I take from my own stock now and about mid-February, I start warming them up. I, you put them in, I put them either in little four inch pots or so, just with the neck sticking out, you can see on these how, my favorite way is just to, like a crate, like a bulb crate, or I don't know what veggie growers, what do veggie growers call those crates, just crates? Um, we get tulip bulbs in them. And so I'll fill it with soil and just poke my tubers down in there. And then they're all, you can see, they're all just there, ready to grow. Um, once they uh, start putting up new shoots, you want to wait till you have a shoot that's like three or four inches tall. And th this is textbook. You need to take like a razor or something like that, and you need to make sure you get the tuber. You, you do not have to do that. I, I, all I do is I take that little stem, that little shoot, and I'll pinch it, and you just kind of wiggle it off of there, and it'll just pop off the tuber. And I will either put it, huh? That's that. I know. I wish I had. I have these. So, this is how I started doing it with these little cubes. They're hort cubes, and they are the easiest way to start and learn. You can order them off Amazon. Um, they're very. They're called hort cubes. Hort, like H-O-R-T, I believe. I can find it and show you on Amazon. But yes, a lot of pot growers use them and we have a lot of pot growers in our area <laughs> they also have a more um, now a little bit more of an organic uh, cube because these um, I will say I go through and like break all of that off before I plant it because it's it's kind of like uh, floral foam I don't know if you're aware of what that is but it never just it never goes away so, um, but they work really well. They stay just the right moisture. You get them wet, and then you just poke your little stem down in there. Make sure you don't have any leaves that are too low on, you can just kind of break them off. But you don't have to do anything, but keep, keep that cube moist. And it, they take off. They send off little roots, and they actually usually have little tubers by the time you plant them. So then I'll just transplant them in the spring like I normally do. You can also do this like with soil, um, just like you would any other kind of cutting. Um, you just make sure that you have damp soil. Use like a pencil or something so you already have a pre-made hole. And you can either use rooting hormone. I actually don't even use rooting hormone. I'll just stick it down there in, in the hole and just lightly put the soil around it. And they, they usually do pretty well. I don't have it quite as good a success rate that way. This is like 100% for me. These work so well. Um, but like I said, when they start to get a little bit bigger and they need some more nutrients, um, a lot of times I start so early that they're not, I can't really put them out yet. So I will break all the little cube off and put them in a pot and let them just keep growing. So some of them are fairly big by the time I put them in the ground. Um, so it's a really great way to uh, expand your stock of tubers. And like I said, it really is a lot easier than you think. 
but I really recommend getting those little Hort cubes. Even if it's not something you want to do long term, you want to like stick to the soil or whatever, it's just a good way to kind of help you learn how moist your soil needs to be, um, things like that. And it, it's just much easier. Let's see. So I, like I was talking about, I actually overwinter my dahlias. I don't dig them anymore. I did my first year and I'm going to do a few this year because I want to multiply them a little bit and like adjust how they're spaced in a few areas. But um, we get the first year I decided to overwinter them actually was a couple years ago and we had two weeks of below freezing temps, which is really unheard of in our area. And we had like snow. It was wild. It was like below zero freezing temps. It was, that is not normal for us. We haven't had a freezing night in like a month this year. But um, so I was really nervous about it, but they did well. I put a layer of straw over the top of, I cut them down in the fall, put a layer of straw. I actually did not even end up tarping them that year. And they did fine. I mean, I had blooms in May. They, they shot up and I didn't pinch them because I was like, well, I don't know. These are so early. So the, this was my first like handful of dahlias in May, which is really wild. Normally you're just planting in May. You don't have to dig them, which is a whole really great thing because it's a mess and it's a lot of work. Um, you just, they just kind of do their thing. They're much hardier than you, than you think. Um, especially if you have them planted properly, like deep enough, which is also a big thing for the South, making sure they're deep enough so that they stay cooler. If the tubers are cooler, your plant is going to stay a lot happier. Um, and it was very clear this last summer, I had um, someone help me plant some and they like didn't plant them deep at all. And those plants died so quickly of heat so they really need to be about four to six inch more like six inch if you're getting 100 degree days if you can keep the soil around the tuber cool i water excessively just trying to keep them cool so that's like shade and keeping your tubers cool is a big thing to help them grow in the south and also overwintering if they're deep enough like even in even though we had two weeks of zero degree temperatures mine were my tubers are deep and so the ground was probably barely freezing four to six inch four to six inches down this is not possible in all areas but it is an option to consider i highly recommend it um okay so growing them they need a lot of support and that's another thing with getting them planted deep enough if you have them planted deeper you're going to need less support because um, they just get a better, uh, they get established better, but man, they get wild. They, I know people that do two layers of this Hortanova netting, which you can get also at Johnny's or any place like that. I don't love it, but it's the only way I've found to be able to keep them upright. I've tried just like the weave, like you would with like tomatoes, I think they do. Um, I've tried corralling. It's, we just have a lot of wind and they're very top heavy. So um, I, this next year I may even add a second layer of netting, but they need at least 
one one layer we do t posts on the end and then i use electric fence posts down the rows for support and i'll probably add some extra t posts in this year because we had some falling over but um then you, and you need to put it on when the plants are only about a foot tall or so so that they can grow up through the netting instead of <laughs> procrastinating like i seem to always do and trying to like tuck the plants in and yeah it's a mess <laughs> be on top of it um, and then they, they do require quite a bit of water, um, consistent water. So I use drip tape, and I, I think I told someone we were going to talk a little bit about watering, um, which I think we do that a little bit more later. But sprinklers, I actually do use sprinklers on my dahlias. I do not use overhead watering on really anything because a lot of flowers are really sensitive to moisture, especially once you have them blooming it will mess up your petals you don't want water on the actual flower um, so i do mostly drip tape but for some reason and there's they're doing research on this they're finding that dahlias benefit from some overhead watering like they seem to take in water from their leaves so this last year i had drip tape and we did sprinklers trying to keep them alive they do get powdery mildew but it's just kind of like a give and take sort of thing um but i'm really curious to to see the research if if you're interested in in it a little bit more it's love and fresh flowers is the one that's doing um she's starting like a whole research thing about it because she also started using sprinklers and saw a huge benefit from it one thing with drip tape as well i put all my fertilizer mostly through my drip tape um, it's drip tape I think is scary to some people like irrigation setting up your irrigation can be really overwhelming um, but there's some really good resources and I don't they may even have a class do they do probably sometime may have a class about that as well but it's really not as bad as it seems and there's there's companies that will like send you kits and videos and everything that you need um, to set it up this is another thing that's a little bit different that I've done a lot of reading on and that I've just, from experience, dahlias need nitrogen. There's a lot of sources that will tell you like to basically use no nitrogen, some people will say, um, in your fertilizer. For the first few weeks, they don't need anything. It all comes from their tuber. But then they start, they grow fast and they need some kind of food. So especially when they're growing, they need some kind of food. So I use, I run it through my drip tape. Um, I use like fish emulsion stuff, just a balanced fertilizer, whatever I can get from the co-op. I usually do some kind of organic like fish emulsion or something like that. But they do need nitrogen <laughs> they are huge plants um, and i was i think i wrote down some of the where i was because i read all about this this summer because i was like i feel like my plants are not thriving like because they tell you just that they don't really need it so i read a bunch i was trying where did i put that okay the american dahlia society has a whole article and a whole research study do, that they've been doing on it um, that it's best to use a well-rounded fertilizer so all the numbers are the same on 
you're like triple 13 or whatever. I, um, and then another thing that they truly, I have seen that they benefit from is a foliar feeding. So um, this is one where I'll use like a, I think that the numbers on this, and it's some kind of uh, C, I should have taken a picture of it, sorry. I can find it on my um, computer, but it's like 002 or something like that. So there is not a lot in it, but for some reason they really benefit in the late fall when they're putting on a lot of flowers. It's not even phosphorus, which is what they say flowers need to produce blooms, but it just for some reason will like really perk them up. So I'll go through and just spray them like once a week if I can get to it. Um, but other than that, maybe once a week, I'll just run fertilizer through, through my drip tape. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, so fish emulsion is, is generally the best, unless you have animals, and that's not always ideal because the dogs also really like the fish emulsion. So, um, this is another big one for dahlias is the pests. And this is different for different areas. <laughs> I call these my little ghosts. Um, <laughs> these, we have cucumber beetles, um, terrible. And that's really our only pest that I have on my dahlias. Every once in a while I'll get thrips or something like that. Um, but I have to bag pretty much every dahlia, and this is why when we talk about pricing, you'll see that they're a little bit more, is one of the reasons at least. Um, I have these little organza bags, and as soon as they start budding up, I'll, I put a bag on each bud. Later in the fall, sometimes it gets better, sometimes it gets worse. The grasshoppers like have nothing else to eat, so they come out and eat all the petals off of your dahlias. But, um, those are the biggest ones for me. I know some people have problems with slugs and snails. There's an organic um, sluggo, which works really well. I've only had to do that one time, and I don't know where they, I've never seen slugs on our farm. I don't know where they came from, but um, thrips is the other one that I have issues with sometimes, and that'll just, that ca causes some discoloring on your leaves, and um, it just, they suck the, the nutrients out of your plant. Um, but I, um, spider mites was the one that I had a hard time with this summer, and I think it was just because it was, we had no rain. I've never really struggled with spider mites or had them on any of my plants, but they were everywhere this last year, and I think it was just, we had no rain. They say washing them off is the best thing to get rid of them, so... Um, like I said, this last year was just, these were not from last year, these pictures, I will tell you that. Um, but we use the bags. Viruses is the other big disease that you can have issues with. I'm not going to talk a lot about that because that can get really, I, I don't worry about it too much, honestly. Um, if I find one that obviously has leafy gall or something like that that's obvious, then I'll throw it out. I honestly don't worry about it that much. You're going to have virus. It's because dahlias have taken off so quickly, they weren't able to regulate them very well. And so there's a lot of disease out there, and they're still going to produce blooms as long as you are not selling someone a tuber that is, has virus, then I don't get too worried about it. I don't sell my tubers. So um, if I was, then I would worry more about it, getting them tested, 
not propagating the disease, but um, yeah, powdery mildew is, is the biggest problem that I have in the fall as well. They just start to get, but usually by then they're about done. Okay, harvesting. This is another little tip that I have found that is a little bit different than a lot of the books will tell you. Harvest when the first two layers of petals are starting to lift off. Books will tell you you need to wait for them to be fully open. They won't open anymore, but um, for the most part, they will. So the only ones I don't harvest like this are the big dinner plates. They, I, I do harvest them somewhat closed, but um, for the most part, they won't open up very much. But like most dahlias will continue to open up in the vase. So you can see on this picture here, this is about how I usually try to harvest them. They won't open if they're completely closed. They need to be open somewhat, but it's best, and they're going to have a longer vase life if you'll cut them before they're fully open. They say vase life is three to five days. Usually my dahlias will last about a week, the ball ones. Um, now, if you have the different styles or whatever are all different, but I grow a lot of balls because I do, that's, they last the longest. Um, so yeah, cutting them early is, is ideal. Gives the bugs less time to get them. And that way when you do take them to your florist, they have a little bit of time to work with them. It's not like you have to use this tomorrow or it's going to start dropping petals. Um, another important thing is clean water. And I do use uh, flower food in my dahlia buckets, even in the cooler, like a holding solution. Because um, that will help them open up or I feel like they kind of need that sugar to keep opening. Pricing, I put $2 a stem. Um, that'll probably go up this year again, but for the most part, I do it across the board just $2. Um, unless they're the big dinner plate cafe au lait, then those are more like 4 or $5 a stem. Uh, but for the most part, $2 a stem is usually what, what people are willing to pay. Florists, I should say. <clears throat> so uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit about digging um, like I said I actually don't have a whole lot of experience with this I did my first year but um, my top thing even though I don't dig is making sure all your clumps are labeled all your plants are labeled before they die in a freeze because like I'm always like oh I remember that that is where the blizzard was I don't remember once they die they all look the same they do have different leaf shapes, so I can tell when they're alive, even if they don't have blooms. But once they're froze, froze off, that there's no, no going back. So make sure they're all labeled before you get a cold frost. Um, and then if you don't get a killing frost, you can go through and cut the foliage off, and that will trigger the tubers like, hey, it's time for us to survive, basically. So they, they will cure. They put like a coating around the outside of the tubers. I guess kind of like a potato. I don't know that much about growing potatoes. But um, so that they will last and store better for you. I, I've read one to two weeks of curing in the ground is ideal. And that's basically what I did just because that's what I had time for. 
Um, I have dug a few clumps just to see what they look like, like in the summer or whatever, and they really are, they don't have that coating on the outside. So I think it is ideal to let them cure in the ground before you dig them and try to store them. Um, so when you go to dig, make sure that I use like a pitchfork sort of thing. Make sure that you loosen all four sides before trying to lift it because these tubers, they're all connected there in the middle and they'll break off fairly easily, especially if you have really clay soil. Um, and then I put a question mark here on washing. This is also kind of a debate. Um, I don't wash my tubers. I never did really. Um, there are some people that do and that's how they store them. I found that they did really well just like this and I put them in our basement um, which is about 40, 45 degrees and it stays pretty humid in the winter. And, um, but there are as many different ways to store and wash and divide as there are opinions about planting. Um, some people will wrap each individual tuber in like plastic, like a uh, saran wrap and store in their refrigerator. You can store in peat moss, you can store in pine shavings, you can store in vermiculite. But I found that they really are not as finicky as people make them out to be. And I'll just leave them like this. That little bit of soil will keep them from drying out. And then when I'm ready to divide, if it doesn't come off, I'll kind of wash them, but usually it kind of brushes off because it's dry. Um, so you go through and you remove all those little feeder roots on the, on the sides. Any tubers that have broken necks, because those will not produce. Um, and then you just start breaking down the entire clump. So one of the... <laughs> There's a, one of the leaders in the ASCFG, that cut flower group that I um, was talking about. She, the way she divides dahlias, she's an older lady and she's really funny. She digs her dahlias, she throws them on the ground and lets them break themselves up. And then she'll just replant like the five or six pieces that are left. And she, she has tons of doubt. She's done it for like 20 years like that, she says. So... It's not as complicated as we make it out to be. I, I don't really divide mine, honestly. When I do divide, like this, this year, I did intend to dig some this fall, but I'm, I'm still going to when I get back home. But to, to take cuttings, I'll dig up a couple to, uh, clumps like this, and I just have like these big like whopper things. <laughs> and I'll just cut it like into quarters, basically. And... If I was, I'll take cuttings from that. Um, that's how I've done it before. If you, but if you are selling tubers, that's different. You need to break them down into each individual tuber. Um, they need to have a, the tuber, the big part, the neck, and the crown, which I think I, yeah. And the more of the crown, which is like that center part, that you have on each tuber, the more likely you are to have an eye. I, when I divided my tubers that one time, I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of like divided them up and thought I saw eyes. They all grew, even ones that I didn't think had eyes. They will pop eyes out of that crown more than you can see. So don't throw them away. But yeah, it's not as... Um, 
yeah, it does not have to be as complicated as I think we make it out to be. Growing dahlias in general, I think, has been really uh, just complicated. So we talked about different mediums that you can store it in. I just let them, I, I put them in bulb crates and just let them sit in the, the basement until I'm ready to use them um, if, if I dig them. But yeah, I do a, a lot of cuttings. That's the only reason that I'll, I'll, dip, I'll, I'll dig them. So this, we talked about most of these, but um, my tips are to make sure that your tubers are planted deep. Uh, consider your climate. Like, do you need shade? This year I'm gonna put shade on my dahlias and hopefully they'll do a little bit better. But um, do you even need to put irrigation down? If you get a lot of rain, it may not even be worth it. Um, they do, they are thirsty plants. But if your tubers are deep in the soil, you water deep about once a week, they'll do fine. Um, I use water a lot of times to cool my soil because I get it from a cistern or a pond. And so the water's really cool. And so it, I, it drops the tip, my soil temps. So those tubers will stay a little cooler. Um, but yeah, Florette is, is again, a great resource for dahlias, especially if you're in the Pacific Northwest or a zone similar a growing area similar to hers if you're in oklahoma it's not great but um the ascfg is the number one they have the most um you can find anything there there's people from all over the united states growing in all different areas um and the their Facebook group, if you're on Facebook, is tremendous. Like you can search anything, you can ask any question that you have, and they have experts there ready to, to answer your questions. Um, so yeah, dahlias, they, they seem intimidating. And I was really intimidated that, by them my first year. But as long as you can keep, as long as you have soil that drains and they're not just sitting in water, um, so that the tubers rot or something like that, then they, they'll grow and they're easier than you think. I didn't put them on the flower farming basics mostly because they're expensive to get started with. Um, and so I don't recommend that that's like how you try to start your farm is with dahlias unless that's just really what you have some funds for some that you need to spend. But yeah, they're, they can be very profitable once, once you figure out your area, but everybody's area is different. Like I said, I've kind of figured out, pinpointed some things that I'm going to, to change and adjust. So hopefully, we, and hopefully we don't have a drought this year, but we'll just put it that way. <laughs> okay, does anyone have questions? Yeah. Um, one was, how do you put the um, fertilizer through the drip tape? Yeah. Um, so you can get, I get it from like our greenhouse wholesale place and it's either soluble um, or already a solvent. And you can buy like a fertigator, I think is what they call it. And you hook it onto your, your hose that goes into your drip tape. This is the one I use because it's super simple. You can get very complicated with this, which also I, I never, if you don't realize, I don't ever try to overcomplicate stuff. Like I'm very basic in, yes, I'm, I am for sure a minimalist. It's basically a hose that you can put in a bucket that's, um, and it, you put your fertilizer in the bucket 
and that hose connects to your hose that goes to your your watering system and it sucks the fertilizer into your water as the water goes by in your hose and then it distributes this mine does not have a pump Mm -hmm. it's just a siphon which you do kind of have to figure out like how many rows you can run to make sure it's actually pulling your fertilizer out of the bucket and I also don't ever get very complicated with that kind of math but um yeah nope it's it's a solvent so it's basically water yes uh-huh yeah so my first year I did the the fabric and it works fairly well and when I put new ones in, a lot of times I'll put it in fabric and then I'll pull it out, off in the fall and then I don't, yeah. What do you use? Um, <clears throat> one of my, I use a lot of clover and rye. I do, sometimes I'll just plant winter wheat, um, but clover is my favorite. It does really well for us and it, uh, so it gets fairly big and it will die off in the spring. So I don't even have to do anything to it. It also brings in a lot of beneficials. So like last spring, we had so many ladybugs. I've never seen so many ladybugs, but my clover, the cover crop was just solid ladybugs. Babies, all different stages. So then you put your shade cloth, your, your cover fabric back on over? The cover crop? There. On top of the cover um, I don't, when I do the cover crop for dahlias that are still in the ground, I don't plant actually on top of the, the dahlias. I will plant in between the rows for like erosion control more than anything. My cover cropping is usually before I plant anything. Once the dahlias are in the ground, I don't do much. I, I mulch them with straw. Uh huh. We have, yeah, we wheat farm and so we have lots of straw. I will, I mean, I put it like a foot deep when I overwinter them. The, the, the straw mulch. And you can use anything you have, basically. But one quick tip in the fall, people decorate with straw. And they, a lot of times when they're done with fall, they have these bales of straw, and they'll just give them to you. So if you have friends or whatever, I don't know who to, we'll start right here. Is that the crimson clover? Yes, crimson clover. Sorry. So I don't do anything to it. It, um... It dies off naturally for us. Okay, so that, that suffices for mulching. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It'll die off naturally because we get pretty hot pretty quick in the spring, and it doesn't like it. So it, it just kind of wilts back down, and, and we walk on it, so it just kind of, like, breaks down. down. Uh-huh. Um, and so does, do the tubers come through that, mm-hmm. or do you transplant into that? Well, when I first do it, I transplant into it. Into the hole. Uh-huh. And then... In the fall, after that fabric's been down for like the whole season, I usually pull it up. And then I'll mulch with straw and overwinter them. And then I don't do anything else with them, like ever. The straw keeps the weeds down. Um, sometimes I'll put more straw, like last, this last fall I put more straw down. Oh, yes, sorry, I'll repeat from now on. It's how do viruses spread? Um, they spread through the soil. Uh-huh. Um, not necessarily. Um, it depends on how close they are, and if you have. They also it will also spread through like your clippers. If you clipped one plant and then went to the next plant, you can spread it that way as well. 
it can get really stressful. That's why I don't worry about it because I'm not selling tubers. Huh? You, if you're really worried about it, you need to disinfect between each plant with like a, I can't, I use Chlorhex if I ever do it because I have that for my vet stuff, but yeah. So how many cuttings do we get off one tuber? It depends on the variety. Like Blizzard, that white one that we talked about, it produces a lot. Um, I can, I kept this last spring, I got like eight to 10 plants off each tuber. Wow. Some of them are a little more stingy. Some of them take longer to warm up. Um, um, off of off of the crown basically it just keeps forming eyes you break it off and it'll form a new one I was trying to think of some other varieties that are really I think I wrote um, another one that I get a lot off actually is peaches and cream does really well for cuttings which is a really popular dahlia Caitlin's joy is a like a purpley pink kind of mauve color and it's that one's really popular it does well with cuttings as well so uh caitlin's joy or peaches and cream mystique is another one <laughs> caitlin's joy like the name caitlin mm -hmm. it's um kind of like a pink let me i think i have it that one's caitlin's joy in the lower left i believe Nope, peaches and cream is, sorry, I make you sick going through these, that pink color. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Did you have a question here? Yes. Uh-huh. So, right. yeah, that's what they say, yeah. Okay, so once the stock is... Uh-huh, and I forgot to mention something, so finish your question, then I'll, well, you reminded me. That was, I remember, I forgot, I just realized I got that a little... So, um, yeah, dahlias do need pinched. And I wrote down how the technical terms of how tall they're supposed to be. <laughs> so pinching, when the plant is the technical, what they say, when it's 9 to 12 inches tall, you cut the, the top 3 to 4 inches off of the main stalk. Um, you just cut it off. You could use it as a cutting if you wanted to. Um, and then it will put shoots off from each leaf node. And you'll get lots more stems. Dahlias have really big trunks, so you want to make sure you pinch them. So when they're about a foot tall is when I pinch mine, um, give or take some. And then I don't usually start watering until they're a couple feet tall or so usually because we're getting rain but that's where it gets a little bit more complicated because it is de dependent on your soil and your rainfall yes so you pinch let it grow unless you just don't have unless you're in the desert I guess but only when you're planting the tubers at first that's the only time I would say you could really overwater them because you when your tuber is not yet growing it can sit in the water, and if it, especially if it's like too cold, your soil's too cold or something, it'll just sit there waiting to warm up. And if it's sitting in like mud, then it's going to rot. You don't, so you plant your tubers in somewhat dry ground 
in the spring if you can find it and then you don't water until you see that taller growth yes did you have a question um so where do i store my cuttings i in the fall if i'm gonna if there's a variety i want to take cuttings from i'll dig a couple two clumps of that variety i'll store that clump in my basement until about february and then i'll pull them out in february and pop divide them up a little bit and put them in crates and i'll put them on a heat mat to make sure they get really good and warmed up and then they usually start sending up shoots the beginning of march and i keep that in my greenhouse or under lights and yep i keep those in my in my greenhouse all of it's that once i start taking cuttings it's all in the greenhouse yeah i don't ever really have to heat my greenhouse but i live in a warm area <laughs> but yes it does need to like when we had that two weeks of cold the end of february that one year um i had them inside on shelves under lights on heat mats yeah they need they do need to stay warm I, I believe they say the soil needs to be like 60 degrees or something like that for them to start growing and i usually try to get it warmer than that because i'm ready ready to start taking cuttings yes yeah so brown around like the pale colors on the petals that's a lot of times is tarnished plant bug or it's some kind of bug is chewing on or so it's either bug or the sun is burning them basically because basically those petals are on that bud on the outside when and they're not really protected or anything and so once they start to open up like if you got a really hot day or something but it can also be be some kind of insect chewing on them or pooping on them is usually <laughs> yes you know, I don't really know. I don't really have any experience with tarnished plant bugs. This last year, I had a few plants that I noticed a little damage on, so I'm not really sure. They are usually more used for cucumber beetles or the Japanese beetles. A lot of people have problems with Japanese beetles. Thankfully, I just have grasshoppers and cucumber beetles, but those grasshopper and grasshoppers, they'll protect the, them from them as well. They'll chew it all the petals off down to the nothing basically the stem so any other questions or any from that i missed from last class yeah At, when i first started selling dahlias i would sell them by their name and then i was like this is way too complicated so now i sell them by um yes white pink blush which also gets complicated. I mean, what color is peach? I don't, there's a lot of different shades of peach. There's a lot of different shades of peach, or blush. Some blush looks more like a lavender color to me, but some of my florists think it's pink. So it's, that's kind of a, you kind of learn your, what your florist like, but yeah, I sell them by, any other questions? All right, thank you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.